And we are back here at the All Gas No Break Sports Podcast. I am once again one of your co-hosts, Nick Bavona, joined alongside my other two co-hosts, Andrew Johnson and Grayson G Marino. We are also joined today by our special guest, Sean Mulligan, as we had just gone into some of the wild week uh, two games in college football, but we just had the first week of the NFL season, and I think that might have topped the college football week two with the amount of craziness that happened as we had some unbelievable games this past Sunday. But before we get into these past Sunday games, I think we have to go into last Thursday's game between the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, and a potential Super Bowl favorite this year in the Buffalo Bills. And let's just put it, Frank, this first game, the first half of this game, it was very back and forth. The Bills and Rams were playing a nice defensive game. You know, we saw Von Miller get, you know, to the quarterback, Matt Stafford, a couple of times. We saw the Rams, you know, take advantage of some costly Bills mistakes. Josh Allen, despite now, quote unquote, you know, making bad throws, he did end up with two interceptions in the first half. But the Rams in the second half just seemed completely flat footed and, you know, were just dead to rights getting outscored in that game in the second half, 21 to nothing. And we saw Josh Allen look like the MVP candidate that he could be for the rest of the upcoming season as the Bills come out on top of this one, 31-10. Another solid game from Cooper Cup, but other than Cooper Cup, the Rams just really had no other offensive production in this game. We saw on the Bills' side of the ball, Josh Allen was also the leading rusher. He had thrown to Stephon Diggs for 122 yards. We also saw Gabriel Davis, who had a big you know postseason performance against the Kansas City Chiefs last year. Had another strong start to his upcoming, you know, season as he had 88 yards and a touchdown. But the Bills, they make an opening night statement on the road in LA with a 31 to 10 win. Not a good start for the Rams, but a hell of a start for Buffalo. Yeah, uh, I guess I'll start this off. Uh, you know, we spoke about this a little bit last week. That Super Bowl hangover for Rams. Uh, it wasn't looking apparent in the first half. You know, nice gritty football in the first half. You know, close game. And, you know, it was a tale of two halves. First half, close. Second half, they just got, you know, they got the hell beaten out of them. Uh, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, you know, decided to put their foots down and say, you know, we're the team to watch this year. You know, we're the Super Bowl favorites. You know, we're going to be the contenders. We're, gonna, we're coming out of the AFC. And the Rams looked like completely flat in the second half. As Nick said, besides Cooper Cup, nothing else was going on. Uh, Allen Robinson looked like a complete ghost out there. He One reception for 12 yards. Uh, it's supposed to be, yeah, I mean, Cam Akers completely MIA. I think he had three total touches for zero yards. Daryl Henderson uh, looks to be the bet, you know, the better back, at least of as of right now. And a lot of fantasy owners are going to be a little pissed off about that. You know, I see Cam Akers going to take it sometime 33, 34 overall. I don't know if you saw Johnson. The reason being is that uh, Sean McVay had said about Cam Akers that you know, when it came to his carrying abilities throughout the, you know, the game, he just didn't seem like he was there at all. Like he just seemed as if he was a deer in the headlights and he wasn't making the right reads when it came to, you know, blocking at some certain passes or, you know, finding the right hole. He just did not seem like he was right for that game. Now, remember, he had an injury concern going into the game to, you know, to begin with. So he was into that game and he just did not seem like the makers we saw from two seasons ago in his rookie year. And, it certainly hurts the Rams because they didn't have much of a running game to begin with. And then Matthew Stafford also had an injury going into this game. 
you know, he seemed fine, you know, going into the game at the start. But as the game went on, you just saw he looked like he was not the same quarterback that we saw last season. And he also got dropped seven times in this game. So the Rams offensive line absolutely showing that they're missing Andrew Whitworth a bunch right now. And not to mention, they lost two starting offensive linemen in this game. A lot of bad things going on for for the Los Angeles Rams. They're going to need to pick things up throughout the next couple of weeks. They do have a game with the Atlanta Falcons this upcoming weekend. So an opportunity for them to rebounce back. But yeah, just nothing went right for LA in the second half. Um, I'm not... I expected the Bills to win, but I didn't expect them to blow out the Rams. I think the biggest issue that I found with the game is that they're one of their better defenders was playing for the Bills. Oh, yep. should have, Von Miller last year opened up opportunities for, uh, I believe it's Leonard Floyd. And, and Aaron somebody, Donald. And yeah. Aaron Donald. Uh, also, not having Odell on the field. Yes. Was a huge loss. Yes. I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from Allen Robinson. He's he's a decent uh, uh, receiver, but he's no Odell Beckham. And I remember they didn't have Van Jefferson either in this game. So a lot of bad injury concerns for L.A. But you're right. They they had signed Allen Robinson hoping he would be that, you know, Odell replacement, quote unquote. He had just two targets in the game and one catch. And you de- you're definitely right, Sean. You hit it on the head. I mean, they d- certainly miss Odell. It's going to definitely bring it into a question. Should they maybe, you know, talk to him? He was at the game, but it seems like, you know, there's a bunch of teams that could be on the Odell radar trying to sign up for a potential, you know, Super Bowl run like he did last season. I'm not going to lie. If I'm Odell, I'm taking my talents to Orchard Park. I mean, yeah. unless the Giants absolutely blow me away which I don't think they can afford to. No, uh, I know they can't afford to. <laughs> no, they cannot. Um, but I'm to going to the Bills. The Bills, have the, the Bills have the talent. They have the team. And I think they're going to ultimately win the Super Bowl this year. I'm going to piggyback on that. I mean, that Bills team is just – they're built different. <laughs> like, yeah. Like we're just, hey, you said you said the same thing last week, but it's it's right. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, <laughs> they built different. When you're being the defending Super Bowl champions, like it's one thing to beat the defending champions at Open Night, but to beat them in the matter that they did beat them, it Stephon it make Diggs. it just brings us. It just makes a statement. Stefan Diggs put Jalen Ramsey in absolute blender. Like, yeah, J- Josh Allen stiff arming people, defenders. Like, yeah, they, I mean, then nothing was going that's wrong thing for I the get Bills. To touch on. I, I missed out that Jalen Ramsey was was a non entity in this game. Yeah, <laughs> like, he looked like Eli Apple from the Super Bowl. He 100%. just kept getting burned. hundred oh, percent. Yeah, I mean that's a tough comparison, but you're not wrong. I mean, well. The only reason I bring up BLA Apple is because I think it's a perfect way to segue into one of the earlier Sunday games that we had where you know, the former New York Giant, Eli Apple, and his Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And what was certainly one of the wackiest games of the weekend. Of the as, weekend. It's going to be the wackiest week- game of the season. Hey, listen, there is wow, – there well, That seven, Texans game was pretty crazy. That Texas oh, yeah, game, yeah. There, 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 there was – there were there are seventeen weeks left of the season. That stranger things have happened. But going into this game, I mean, Joe Burrow and company, their first game since the Super Bowl. How would they respond? And it didn't look good at first. I mean, Joe Burrow throwing an interception, a pick six to Minka Fitzpatrick. Who, by the way, let's just give him credit. Minka Fitzpatrick. If not for him, 
Steelers absolutely do not win this game. He was all over the field, had the pick six. You know, he had a crucial blocked PAT attempt at the end of the game where the Bengals had t- had just tied the game. It looked like they were about to hit the extra point to win the game and, you know, pull off a crazy comeback that the Steelers, you know, fans would, you know, will love to forget. But at the end, he blocks the PAT. It sends the game into overtime. And the Bengals, not only that happened to them, they have some terrible clock management issues in the overtime where they had punted the ball with 16 seconds left on the play clock. They could have definitely waited a couple more seconds before punting the ball because it just gave Mitch Trubisky and company enough time to go down the field and kick the game-winning field goal for Chris Boswell. And the Steelers, for the second straight season, pulling off a road upset. Last year, they went to Buffalo, beat the Bills in a game that no one expected them to win. Now, this year, they go into Cincinnati and beat a Bengals team that a lot of people believe are going to be back in the Super Bowl this upcoming season. But a great start for Pittsburgh. And despite, you know, all the like turmoil that the Bengals had, you know, the four picks from Burrow and the seven sacks that they allowed, the Bengals were still in this game. But great win for Pittsburgh to start off the season. Yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of surprised that that happened. Joe Burrow might have just played his worst game of his career. And they still almost won that game. Like that. (laughs) He needs to make one more, just one better read. And they'll probably win this game. But like, what can you say? They just lost to Mitch Trubisky. (laughs) If I'm in that locker room, I'm struggling to deal with that. And that's that this this game just proved that the Steelers have a top five defense for sure. And oh, you know, yeah, I mean, now they're going to have issues, obviously, for the rest of the season, because now TJ Watt has a torn peck. So we don't know his current timetable. It's going to be a couple of weeks for sure. Najee Harris also has some injury concerns. They have a big game with the Patriots this coming weekend. I know Andrew Johnson will certainly be looking into that game, but it's still a great win for the Steelers, but it's also not a bad loss for the Bengals considering all the bad stuff that happened in this game. Burrow had five turnovers himself. 100%. And they still almost won this game. But at the same time, if I'm if I'm sitting there in a defensive meeting this week, my brain's sitting there thinking, we just lost to Mitch fucking but, Trubisky. But see, I don't think this is on the Bengals' defense. The Bengals' oh, defense not. played it's a good really game. Not. Najee but, Harris was a non-factor in this game before he got hurt. But at the same time, this is more on the Bengals' offense. Oh, it is. But at the same time, at the end of the day, your your defense, when you're in that room, expects to give up no points. Well, you got to remember, the, the defense. The problem with the defense is this. The only thing the defense did wrong in this game, they got to the quarterback one time, and the Steelers are known for not having a good offensive line. No, if they you don't cannot get to the If you cannot get to the quarterback... It's going. You're going to struggle in these games. There's just too much time in the pocket. Trubisky also is known for running, so that definitely opens up more opportunities for the Steelers to do stuff where they didn't have that the last couple of years with Ben Roethlisberger. So now they have allowed these opportunities to happen. And the Bengals, I mean, they things have got to be fixed. Obviously, when it comes to their offensive line, you know, obviously they spent all this money in the offseason to fix the offensive line. Still, did not look good. In week one, so they're definitely going to have to fix some of those issues. But a credit to their, you know, their secondary and stuff. Bengals did everything they could to keep them in this game, and a credit to their offense. Despite all the bad stuff that happened, they, you know, had still had a monster game from both Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase. Two of the biggest reasons why they were in this game, 
But with no T. Higgins the next couple of weeks, you got to wonder, is this going to hurt Cincinnati throughout the rest of the season? Now, I'm going to touch upon this uh, one thing. I'm sick of the Mitch Trubisky slander. <laughs> this dude had to spend his entire career so far with Matt Nagy in Chicago. And remember, he, right? won, a, and he won a division title with Matt Nagy, remember? They, yeah, won a, they won the NFC North one year. Matt Nagy, you know, give him his credit defensively. He can't coach offense. He couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag. All right? Let, let's be frank about that. That's right? fair. This guy That's fair. is absolutely anemic on offense. Yeah. So to give Mitch Trubisky, yeah, sure. He, you know, he hasn't been great so far. But he had to deal with Matt Nagy for a couple of years. All right? Let's give this guy an, some, an actual chance with an actual coach on an actual team that has a stacked defense. Let's see how he does. Now, can my you know opinion change in the next six seven weeks? Well, sure, can if he if he's gonna suck like he did in Chicago, but I mean to say like you know okay, gonna write him off completely. Like no, he had to deal with Matt Nagy for a couple of years. You saw Justin Fields in his first year uh, with Matt Nagy. Justin Fields looked you know terrible. Well, no, remember, he wasn't. Terrible. No, he he wasn't Justin Fields. No, he wasn't in um he wasn't in Chicago last season. He was on Buff. He was in Buffalo. He was uh, Josh Allen's backup. Remember? Yeah, that's right. Justin Fields? No, 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 no. no. Uh, Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky. Yeah, 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 I'm saying that. I'm just saying, if you took a look at Justin Fields in that Chicago system. D- did no, he look any season. better? Yeah, did from last look season. look any better this I, week? Uh, I mean, to, let, me, let me get quickly into that. We're not gonna, I, I don't I'm know. not going to go into much to that game. There, There's nothing any of those players, like quarterback-wise, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, there's nothing they could have done in that game. They were literally playing on a slip and slide at Soldier Field this past Sunday. There's nothing you could do. You can't throw the football when you're literally going to be slipping everywhere. They, it's basically a squeegee board that they were using at Soldier Field. I'm shocked they even played the game. I was suspecting them to just move it to like Monday night, like early Monday afternoon, like they've done a couple times in the past couple years. There was terrible field conditions. I can't really blame, you know, either quarterback for not looking good in that game. They did what they could. And that's just more imperative on Justin Fields. Remember, they, they came back in that game. They were down 10 nothing. They were able to come back and win the game. Also, so, that's going to be one of the best pictures of all time, I think. Them doing the – yeah. Him, the, him sliding down is just – That's just a great absolutely. win for Chicago. I mean, I, that this is a Niners team that going into the season, I mean, I even said last week they were going to be my Super Bowl, my, you know, to go to the Super Bowl and Mistake. win the NFC West. Hey, listen, it might be a mistake now. It doesn't look good on paper after week one. But, hey, listen, the whole NFC West besides the Seattle Seahawks did not look good in week one. So, I mean, still a long season to go. But, uh, the NFC West is trash. Yeah. Facts. Not a good it's song. NFC West. Trash. But, hey, listen, we'll get we'll get into the Seattle Seahawks a little bit later on in the show. But, as you, I mean, like you said, I mean, there's nothing that either quarterback could have done in this game. And it was just more imperative that, you know, that Justin, you know, Justin Fields was able to lead the Bears to a comeback win. But going back on to the Steelers, I mean, Mitch Trubisky, that's the MVP, the first only, the first one to win. He gets the win this week. I mean, listen, he he just proved why he's the Nickelodeon's most valuable player right there and then. I don't know how you could argue. <laughs> I mean. Speaking about teams that usually belong on Nickelodeon, or at least, you know, <laughs> deserve to be on Nickelodeon, let's talk about the New York football giants. Oh, whoa, whoa, Let me call everyone off. This coming from the kid that lost – they didn't even lose. They got absolutely manhandled by the Dolphins this weekend. 
Embarrassment. 20-7 per usual, by the way. Per yeah. usual in Miami. Now, credit to Johnson. He said the Dolphins will win this game. I give him all the props for that. But to say that we deserve to be on Nickelodeon. Now, credit. Giants have been historically bad these last couple of years. I get it. They're not the Jets. Yes, exactly. We're not the Jets. Facts. So let's. So it sounds like we want to go into the Giants game. Let's 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 get into this game. I I just have to say I, I didn't expect the Giants to win, nor do I really think the Giants deserved to win that game. Uh, I think Daniel Jones did everything he could, kind of at the end to give the game away. Um. Uh, the defense made no stops when they really needed to in that last drive. Uh, I, you're hurting, obviously, um, without Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari. I'll say that. Um, you're, no, you're right, Sean. They they, but, they wanted to lose this game for sure. There was but, a bunch of reasons why. A win's a win, and I'll have to say, to, to my credit or my dismay or whatever, Saquon looked good. That's the big takeaway. And who has been this man's number one fan throughout these past couple of seasons saying Saquon is really good and everyone has said absolutely not. He just should never. Now, credit, you know, we've had this conversation of should he have been picked at number two? You could say yes or no. Obviously, as a Giants fan, you know, looking back at it, I probably want to quit to Nelson. I didn't want him to be. I wanted Josh Either way. After this game, Saquon looked like the running back we saw his rookie season in 2018. He was unbelievable in this game. Had over 160 yards rushing. Also had 30 yards receiving in this game. 190 yards total. And as Sean said earlier, the Giants wanted to lose this game. First half of this game, it looked like the Titans were going to steamroll with an and cruise to a win. 13-0 lead at the halftime. To, credit, to be fair, I mean... When I saw 13 nothing at the half, I thought that's a win for us because this game should be way more than 13 nothing. The Giants were just had no offensive production. They had not even gotten into the Tennessee Titans you know past the 50-yard line the entire first half. And you're right about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones just again, he, you look at the stats, he had five incompletions I believe going back off of it. It doesn't look bad on paper, but he just still did not look that great. He had a really, really, really bad interception towards the end of that game, in which everyone in this room can attest, as soon as Saquon Barkley went into motion, you knew the ball was going to Saquon Barkley. Oh, absolutely. So there's absolutely. just you just know that. If, and if you see that on TV, if you're witnessing that at home knowing that, then the quarterback himself should know that, hey, maybe that's not the right throw. You know, well, as smart as Daniel is, I think he's still he's still green in the area of checking off and doing whatever. I think he's still trying to appease the coaching staff or whatever. And I can't blame him for that because the man has had more offensive coordinators than I think I have socks. But, <laughs> um, but I, I just think that he, he's not. He's not totally incompetent. He's not one of the worst quarterbacks. I mean, I lived through a series in my formative years of watching Ryan Leaf and Tim Oof. Couch and, and Achilles Smith, Dave McNall, just just terrible quarterbacks. And I, Daniel Jones is better than them. I just think the kid the kid needs a change of scenery, and the kid needs to find uh, how Drew Brees found Sean Payton. He needs to find his Sean Payton, whoever that may be. Now, franchise that may be. 
I think it's good that you bring that up because maybe he did find that in his new head coach Brian Dable. What? The, let's lost. just let's just say about Brian Dable. Bro, the, his ball sack's the, been in the room for about the, five minutes already. I, some of the play calling in that game, the Giants did. I loved every. I I I was not, you know, opposed to what they were doing. They all the calls that they made were some of play like play calls where I thought, hey, you know what? I haven't seen this done before from this team. I want to see how it works. We saw Daniel Jones on that fourth and one doing a bootleg run to convert the fourth down conversion. That's the play calls that need to be made. If this was a Joe Judge type of team, they would have done a QB sneak or a fullback dive right up the middle and probably would not have converted that fourth down. Uh, Joe Judge team would have been done from the opening kickoff. That's also true. They would have probably been down 20 to nothing and a half. From the opening kickoff. You're right. But but Brian Dayball has some huge knocking brass balls. I'll say that. And what I, I love didn't expect that that say, that two point conversion. I didn't want it, but man, does that man have some nuts? But what I love about the two point conversion is not only does he go for the two point conversion, that he goes he goes over to his team. He says to his offensive players, "Hey, I want to go for two points. What do you guys think?" They say yes. And not only that, then he goes to wing Martindale and the defense and say, "Hey, listen." I'm going to go for two points. If I don't get it, do I? can I trust you guys to get a stop right here and give, give us the ball back one more time? And they were all for it. That's what I love to see in a coach. They're, that He's got this team ready to go for anything, to, you know, despite if it works or not. They're going to be ready to do the next thing that comes up. And in that, you know, in that play itself, let's just give credit to Saquon Barkley again. That play was going to be broken up. If Saquon does not make the you know necessary moves that he had to make on that play, the Titans had that play perfectly covered, and Saquon was going to be tackled in the backfield. The Giants would have never converted. Thankfully Absolutely. for Saquon's God-given talent, he made an unbelievable play, got into the end zone, got the two-point conversion to give the Giants the lead and ultimately give them the win. But it was such a whirlwind of emotions in this game, and I think it's more bad on the Thailand, on the Titans, excuse me, how badly this game was performed because not only did it seem like they were not using Derrick Henry, they were doing some weird play calls where Derrick Henry was sometimes being wildcat formation. They were in a tight end jet sweep on third and one. That may be the most puzzling play was, of week one. It was such yeah, a agreed. It was such a weird play calling scenario that Mike Vrabel and company were doing because they had this game wrapped in around their fingers like they should never have lost this game to begin with uh, they I'll gave the this. giants the game i'll say this it, it was a typical belichickian assistant coach as a head coach game i'm trying to be bill belichick i'm trying to do something off the cuff like bill uh but the difference is bill belichick that tight end sweep that he ran bill belichick ran that play in practice since the first day of training camp this guy probably has only been running this since the beginning of the week. You know, that's where the difference is. And uh, I'm just in that situation with a Derrick Henry behind me. I mean, there's no way I'm not giving him it, the ball. It looked like that's the Seattle Seahawks from the Super Bowl. You, you, you have a, a really good running back on third and one. How do you not give him the ball in that I'd scenario? Be, if I was Derrick Henry, I'd – and I said this, I think, in, in our group text – uh, I'd have gone full buddy Ryan, walked over and punched someone in the face. Hundred percent. Watch out, Kevin Gilbride. Hundred percent. Poor so, Kevin. One thing I want to touch upon is so the Giants have a lot of positives going on right now. So the whole deal of Saquon now contract year, this just makes the Giants. Uh, if he continues to perform, obviously, you no, know, 
obviously he's not going to go for 180 yards, 190 yards each week, but if he's averaging 110, 120 yards per game, you're halfway through the season. The Giants, let's say, are, you know, around 500, maybe a game above 500, you know, four and four, five and three, whatever they are. If you have a Giants front office, what do you do with Saquon Barkley? It's a very, very good problem to have. But I, if he's averaging 120 yards a game, you, I think you have to give him a contract extension. I don't know. I don't know. It depends on the package coming back. It, it's kind of like the 49ers right now with uh, uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo. And we'll touch on my point on this a little bit later. But it, it, the Giants hold the power in this situation because right as of right now, the man is averaging 160 yards a game. He's obviously not going to average 160 yards a game throughout the rest of the season. I think we all know that. But at the end of the day, if he's averaging, like Johnson said, 100-something yards a game, I think you got to feel around. And if they're a game above or a game below 500, they probably won't. But if they're completely out of it, they're going to look – they're going to look to move him, and they're going to want a king's ransom for him. Well, and you got will give him a king's ransom. And you got to think of it this way: if you look at the Giants' next couple of games, this is an interesting time because they very much well could start the season four and zero. They are home next week to Carolina. Then they're going to face the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football, who do not have Dak Prescott. We'll touch into more of that later. Then they have the Chicago Bears, who did yes get a nice Week One win against the Niners, but the Giants have a really good shot against the Bears in that game. They seem kind of evenly matched if you look on paper. And then they'll obviously go to London to take on the Green Bay Packers. So that's their schedule for the next couple of weeks. This is a great opportunity for the Giants to stay competitive, especially now with Dallas having these injury concerns. You know, Washington, we don't really know what they are right now. They're kind of a, a middle-of-the-pack team where they maybe could look decent, but they also could still be a really bad team like they have been the last couple of seasons. This is an opportunity for the Giants to look good, and it's really going to be imperative on Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones to make sure that they keep the Giants competitive because they're both in contract seasons. They both want to get paid. If they're going to get paid, they're going to need to keep the Giants competitive throughout the next couple of weeks. Well, Daniel Jones ain't going to be back with the Giants, I can tell you that. I don't believe that. I, I would 100% agree with you, but not, yeah. Not because he can't play, not because whatever, but I think – Dayball wants to get his guy, whoever his guy is. In the draft. Levis, yeah. someone in free agency, whatever. And it but, doesn't have to be with the Giants. I mean, he could, like no, if, he, if he's no, a free absolutely. agent, he just, he just wants to get a contract absolutely. anywhere. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway from this, and I kind of touched on it before, is the two biggest defensive players have yet to return. Correct. And, and I think coming into this, what has turned into uh, a soft spot in the schedule is uh, – I mean, I'm looking forward to it with optimism. Yeah, I think you have to if you're a Giants fan. I mean, you haven't had much optimism since 2016 when it was the last time they made the playoffs and was the last time they had a winning record to start the season. So, I mean, to win this game in the fashion that they won the game and now have the next couple of games that they have coming up on the schedule, there's definitely optimism you can have as a Giants fan. In a season where you were hoping to have, you know, four wins, you might be 4-0 to start the season if all things go right, but we'll have to see. That's going to come down to Daniel Jones. Yeah. It's not even, oh, the defense or, oh, Saquon. That's coming down to strictly Daniel Jones. If that guy's able to be a clock manager, 
you'll be okay. And I will say this. I mean, also, credit, let's give credit to the Giants offensive line. Yes, they did allow five sacks in the day, but they looked way, way, way more improved than they have been the last couple of seasons. Looked Evan really – Andrew baby. Thomas and Evan Neal looked really good in that game. We saw some good flashy plays from the interior line for John Feliciano. So this is definitely a good time for Saquon Barkley especially to get some big chunks of yards like we saw this past Sunday. If he's going to have the opportunity to do it, I think now is the more poor, the more probably the most perfect time to do so. Now, you I know who's not having a good time? <laughs> I the think New I know York where you're going Jets. with this. <laughs> the New York Jets are never having a good time. You have all this hype going into the season. You know, I even bought into the Joe Flacco revenge game for a second. <laughs> it looked like it was going to happen. But at the end of the day, just like, you know, effing taxes, the New York Jets losing on Sunday, on Sunday afternoon. Well, here's what I'm going to say about this game. So I was at the game, and obviously emotions were running high. Obviously, with the 9-11 anniversary, I was right near the national anthem singing of it. And, you know, they had the entire stadium going around, you know, singing the national anthem. It was definitely a sight to see. It was a great, you know, atmosphere. Obviously, the weather conditions weren't as great as they we had hoped to be. But the MetLife, MetLife Stadium, despite, you know, how the Jets have been the last couple of seasons, they were rocking. They were they were there to support the Jets. And, you know, there was a bunch of Raven fans there, too, to support their team. And you're you're right. I mean, it was just not a good start for the Jets. I mean, they in the first half, they had kept this game competitive. You know, the defense was looking really good. And I think, you know, we're going to see that the rest, you know, the next couple of weeks. The Jets defense is going to have to keep them in these games. They have a really good defensive line, you know, some decent corners, some solid linebackers. The problem for the Jets is, let's just face the facts, with Joe Flacco, a quarterback, it just limits what they can do on offense because they don't have a mobile quarterback, you know, to avoid some of the pressure that they're going to have. Joe Flacco was just getting dropped. Every time he dropped back, it seemed like he was about to, you know, he was about to get hit. And he had to throw the ball 59 times in this game. That's how bad the Jets got down in this game. I mean, it's just not really good when your quarterback's throwing it this many times. And to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens' credit, I mean, they played a really solid game. Lamar Jackson had a couple of touchdown passes. We saw their running game get involved a little bit. But this is more impactful on the Ravens' defense. They just played a phenomenal game, did not allow a touchdown until the garbage time minutes of the game. They held an offense that, you know, had some really new, you know, young playmakers in Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. They held them to nine points. So great win for Baltimore. Tough start for the Jets. And it's only going to get tougher with still no Zach Wilson. They're definitely looking forward to seeing him back, hopefully sooner rather than later. I'll I'll say this to touch on that. You kind of said something I was going to say about the 59 passes. No team in the league, and Peyton Manning kind of touched on this last night, no quarterback is going to ever win a game throwing the ball 60 times a game. It doesn't matter who you are. It's just never going to happen. But the bigger issue is coming coming on Monday night, um, uh, actually on Monday afternoon, I was listening to two of my favorite guys on the radio, and basically they touched on this how some of the things that Robert Sala has said in his press conferences is starting to sound like another guy we had here in New York, Joe Judge. Mm-hmm. He's challenging the fans. He's challenging the players. You can't make fun of me. You can't do this. And he's, he's coming off very Joe Judge-like. And I'd be a little more concerned about that than I would, you know, ultimately the, the way my backup to a third-string quarterback is playing. Now, uh, there are some bright spots for uh, for the Jets, obviously, uh, they have Zach Wilson to look forward to returning in a few weeks. 
Uh, Michael Carter didn't look terrible. Uh, he's been a bright spot. Uh, Garrett Wilson get Garrett Wilson getting uh, some reps in as well. Corey Davis looks okay. Uh, but I think the most concerning part about the Jets, and I, I don't want to, you know, dwell upon this, but Lamar Jackson ran the ball six times for seventeen yards. They beat them by more than two touchdowns. Hey. I don't think I don't think the Ravens are going to have a game for the rest of the season where Lamar Jackson only runs the ball six times and they win by more than two touchdowns. Lamar threw three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, the no. Ravens. You got to think about this way: the, going into that game, you're expecting the Ravens to run, especially with all the receiver, you know, the receiving core that they currently have. Now, why everyone's expecting them to throw the football, and you throw into the fact that the game was it was rainy conditions, so you're expecting a lot more running in that game. The Ravens, this is why they have a really good head coach and John Harbaugh. They just they just made a perfectly good game plan in which they threw the ball and caught the Jets off guard. You saw a couple of throws where. Brees Hall and other corners, they just looked very, you know, they were surprised that the Ravens were going to actually throw the football. And we saw some really good catches from guys like Devin Duvernay and Mark Andrews. They really stepped up in this game, you know, gave Lamar Jackson and company a lot more chances to do stuff around the field. That 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 is something I was a little more surprised about. I thought the Jets' defense would be a lot better. Uh, Sauce Gardner Gardner was an absolute beast in college. Uh, I didn't see that Sauce Gardner on Sunday. I, I saw a kid who was, in, for what he is, he was a rookie in the NFL. I didn't see that, that polished talent that never had a touchdown scored on him. Uh, well, you got, uh, you got I, to remember, uh, for, first game in the NFL, you know, there's always those pregame jitters. I mean, especially you're making your NFL debut, and especially in a, play, a team for a team, a New York team, not necessarily. I mean, there's definitely, it's definitely a tough, tough, you know, case scenario going into that, especially when you come from, you know, a low school like Cincinnati where you're not getting as, as much media attention as you usually would. Now you go into the biggest media capital in the world in New York. And, you know, it wasn't the worst game for the Jets defensively. They just needed a lot more things to go their way. But it was more on the Jets offense that put them in a bad spot in when it came down to it. I can't disagree with that. It kind of it kind of gave me throwbacks to thinking that uh, maybe uh, Adam Gase is still on the sideline. Oh, <sighs> okay, yeah, if you're Hold a Jets on. fan, yeah, Hold dude, on. That, I, I'll say this: the play calling isn't as bad. The the only issue with the Jets' offense really in this game was obviously not having Zach Wilson is one, but their offensive line has to be way way better throughout these next couple of weeks. Joe Flacco had no time in the pocket, even if they had Zach Wilson in this game. I don't think he would have been as I don't even think he would have been a little bit slightly better. It probably would have been the same exact result. There just was not enough time in the pocket for either for any quarterback to do anything in that game. I'm I'm still frankly surprised that the Jets didn't take one of these offensive linemen, no matter which one it was, Aquanu, Neal, Cross, whoever yeah. it may be. They they took no offensive linemen. That to me was the biggest surprise of the whole offseason. Well, you gotta remember they remember going into the offseason, you know, they're you're hoping Mikai Becton doesn't get hurt again. Uh, and obviously and that's and that's a problem. I mean, he go he goes into the, he goes in, you know, they're hoping he's not gonna get hurt. He gets injured again, he's out for the se- he's out for the season. And remember, they had signed Dwayne Brown to become that replacement. And what happens to Dwayne Brown? They he gets injured in the last preseason game. He's out for the first four weeks of the season as they put him in the IR. So you're you're having George Fant move again from right tackle to left tackle. It's just not the scenario they just want to be in 
with you know rotating offensive linemen. I, I understand the whole point of of sticking by your your draft picks. If I was a general manager, I'd want to do the same thing. It, you know, you look like an idiot if you if you give up on these guys. But at the same token, uh, they should have done something to address the, their lack of offensive linemen, be it through the draft or free agency. I didn't see them do anything, and that that's cost them. Well, if you want to talk about lack of any type of offense, you know, trying to fix your team through the draft or, you know, through the free agency. We had a interesting game between the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings this past Sunday in which Aaron Rodgers dealing with all these new wide receivers. You know, they to their credit, they did draft, you know, Robio Dobbs and Christian Watson. But that was in the later rounds in the draft. You know, a lot of people were hoping that they would take a wide receiver in the first round. They ended up going with Devin Lloyd. But this was a game in which the Packers just seemed I, I, I'm trying to get the best word to come up with it, but non-existent, I, I guess um, yeah, non-existent. I mean, to show themselves, I would say in the first half of this game, the Packers just were not there. You know, Christian Watson dropped a wide open touchdown that would have tied the game and maybe could have changed the complexion of that game. But it just seemed as if once that happened, it just seemed that everything that could go wrong for the Packers did go wrong. The second half, they got a little bit better defensively, but when it comes down to it, this game was all about Justin Jefferson. He had over 180 yards receiving, and at, to- at times in the game, he had more receiving yards than the Packers had offensive yards. He was just that unstoppable this past Sunday. You could have put Jair Alexander on him. He was still getting wide open. He was saucing him the fuck up. It was just... Jair couldn't stay with him if he was in a go-kart. Like, there was no shot. And this he is why him. the Viking fans are very happy that they got Kevin O'Connell because you saw all the wonderful things he did with Cooper Cup last season. They're hoping they see the same exact thing with, you know, Justin Jefferson this season. Jefferson showing that in week one. And the Packers, I mean, to their credit, had, you know, played a lot better defense in the second half. But by the time that happened, it was a little little bit too late. They just had no answer offensively. And, you know, it came came down to it. They didn't have David Bakhtiari. They didn't have Elton Jenkins. Alan Lazard was also injured. So their offense had lost so much firepower. They were trusting A.J. Dillon, I believe, was the leading receiver for the Packers. It just cannot happen if the Packers are going to win games. And just not a good start for Green Bay as now they turn to Sunday Night Football this week to take on Chicago. I think Green Bay, for for going forward, I think they need to heavily rely on the run. I think they got a nice two-headed uh, backfield there kind of reminds me that lightning and thunder the Giants had back in the day with uh, uh, Tiki Barber and that other guy's name. Um, <laughs> nice for I'm, I'm not going to mention Jacobs. No, not Brandon no, 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 no. Ron Dane. Ron uh, Dane. Okay. Oh, God. But I think the, 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 the Packers need to focus on that because as we've seen in this league, uh, the run does open up the pass. And if the if the Packers are going to have any kind of success, it's going to be on a two headed running attack. Yeah, I do want to touch upon Aaron Jones. He's been uh, excellent the last couple of years. Uh, kind of you know under the radar. I mean, he didn't have that strong of a run game last year. You know, just shy of eight hundred yards. But the years before that, broke about eleven hundred yards over sixteen games. Uh, you know, solid receiving wise, still get a couple hundred yards that way. Uh, of course, Aaron Jones is your workhorse, great running back. You know, any other offensive league would love to have Aaron Jones, but AJ Dillon, like you said, really, really underrated, uh, underrated player. Also, a sports card legend. 
Love the hopping. <laughs> Got to throw that in there as well. Uh, any chance he can get to throw that in, he's going to of throw course. it in. Of course. Well, speaking of people that are, are throwing it in, well, in this case, not going to be throwing for the next couple of weeks. Let's get to the Sunday night football game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm just going to put it frankly, this game was a snooze fest. I could not watch this game for what it was. It just, there was not much offensive power that we were hoping going into the game and ends up being a Tampa Bay victory, 19 to three. Tom Brady, you know, still got it. I mean, there was a couple, you know, throws here and there where he looked, you know, a little bit struggleish. You're wondering if like the retire, you know, the couple weeks he took off during summer had anything to do with that. But this was not more on, you know, Tampa Bay's offense looking really bad. This was more about Dallas's offense looking really, really bad. And this was pre Dak Prescott getting injured. They just didn't, you, you could tell they were missing Amari Cooper in this game. Taking away a guy like that, making CD Lamb now your only, you're basically your only option. Because remember, they also lost Cedric Wilson. They had lost so much offensive firepower. Then you lose Tyler Smith on the offensive line. You got to roll with Jason Peters, the veteran, to you know replace him at left tackle. It's not a good scenario for Dallas. They got and you saw it. I mean, Tampa Bay got a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott, which led to him getting injured. And because of that, now Dak's going to be out for six to eight weeks with a hand injury. And the Cowboys now, they go from a team that looked like one of the favorites to win the NFC East. You know, people said there was a coin flip between them and Philadelphia. They now they might finish the season in last place at this current rate. If they get into a bigger hole, you're you're going to have to deal with Cooper Rush the next couple of weeks. There have been rumors they're going to try a trade for a quarterback. I think Sean was alluding to maybe them trading for Jimmy Garoppolo earlier now the the injury that happened now that's what i was gonna say the issue with that being is even you know despite the fact that garoppolo got his contract reduced i don't think the cowboys have the cap space to make it look like that i'm not even sure it's a cap space thing uh i was listening to another gentleman on on espn talking about it i think it's just the same way the giants would would take one i think that that san francisco is going to ask for a king's ransom for this guy, and, and and like the Giants with Saquon, the 49ers hold all the power in this situation. And to Dallas's credit, they're, they're sticking behind their man. They're sticking behind Cooper Rush, and I give them credit for that, I guess. But uh, I would be inquiring to, to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. But, again, I don't think, aside from the salary cap, I don't think they have the draft stock to now, make kind of trade. I'll make a bold prediction. I think... Cooper Rush will not be the quarterback at the end of the day for this. I think they're going to make a trade. If I had to pick who is going to be their replacement, I think they're going to make a call to Pittsburgh and they're going to ask for like a guy, like someone like Mason Rudolph. I think that's the route to go. I think that's the route they're going to go yeah, to. You have to. Yeah. It's not going to cost you as much to get a guy like Mason Rudolph because he's right now the third string for the Steelers. And Mason Rudolph, you know, let's just put it, he's not the greatest quarterback. But he has a winning record in his NFL career, so which is crazy. I, I had high hopes for that kid coming out of Oklahoma. I think a lot of people did. Yeah, Oregon State, wherever yeah. he came out of. I Oklahoma had really State, high hopes State. for him. I watched him absolutely clap up West Virginia in that game. It, it brings <laughs> me joy as always. Uh, <laughs> now, but uh, that, that kid looked really good in college, and I had really high hopes for him in the NFL. 
I was hoping one day maybe the Patriots would have drafted him, but uh, obviously that didn't happen. We ended up with Mac Jones, but nobody's mentioning Nathan Peterman is available. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus nobody wants nobody wants Peterman. I thought he was on Vegas. He's not on the Raiders. He's no, on the Chicago John, Bears uh, practice squad. John Gruden oh. ain't with the Raiders no more. That was John Gruden's boy. At this rate, you might as well just bring AJ McCarron in. I think I like, read you just keep Cooper Rush. I don't think you're getting any better with Nathan Peterman. Cooper Rush, no. Nathan Peterman stinks. Yeah. Any, any guy that starts their NFL career with five interceptions in their first NFL start, that's just not the guy that it's just not it. I'd rather I'd rather them get Josh Rosen at that rate. Josh Rosen, that's an interesting. Oh. I don't think he's given a fair chance oh, to the NFL. He absolutely has not been. No, he really hasn't. I will. I think he's got he's got something like we mentioned before. He's got a big arm. But there are quarterbacks, namely Jay Cutler. Thank you again, Grayson, for ruining my argument. Anytime, baby. <laughs> but Anytime. He's got, he's got something like Jay Cutler again. He's got arm strength. He's got a cannon of an arm. His problem is he went to Arizona, and just like with Brian Dayball, uh, you know, Cliff Kingsbury wants his guy. So, you know, and he's floated around from here and there. I don't think – I think Johnson is spot on. I don't think he's been given a and true not, shot. And not to mention, he was on a team that was historically bad. They went 1-15 that season. So they were going to take a quarterback no matter what. And you're right. I mean, a new regime, you're going to want to get the players you want. But then remember, after that, he goes to Miami. He was hoping to be the quarterback there. And they stuck with two attack of Iloa. So he he just hasn't had, you know, much. He lost the job to Fitz first, though, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I love me some Fitz magic, but like. Hey, listen, so attack of Iloa had to get taken out sometimes for for Patrick. So it's not only him. Well, hey, Tua might suck, but they they won this past weekend. So as long as they. No shit. They played a bunch of bums that call themselves the New England Patriots. I don't think you're in any rebuttal. position to insult football <laughs> teams after their last performance. We know historically the Patriots are not good in Miami. Correct. But I you mean, know what? They're going to historically be bad this season. Didn't you? Didn't the West Virginia Mountaineers just lose to Kansas? You can't compare college and the NFL. Shut I'm comparing your, my team to your team, and that is the only team you're well, a fan that's of. That's a lie. That is a godforsaken lie. How long I have you been s- following the New York football giants for? Tell me. Uh, about this a couple off weeks. Season. No, oh. this offseason. Oh, okay. He, he so about two f- months. Yeah, hold on. I'll tell you what. The day that Brian Dable went to one of the New York Rangers playoff games is when Grayson started becoming a fan of the Giants. Correct. Yeah, I don't want him as a fan then. I, some <laughs> of us, I've been a fan since July 4th, 1985, and I will continue to be a fan of this team. I don't I, want I've sworn Giants. my allegiance. I think I started becoming sworn, a fan in 2006, but I can't remember. You sworn your allegiance at birth. You became well, a Giants fan. My they, father didn't watch the NFL. I don't know what to tell and, you. And isn't your father also a Jets fan, technically? Yeah. Yeah, so that uh, you got to give him credit. Oh, God. Yeah, you have God. to give him a little bit God. of slack. I mean, God. it's just not, it's not something you want to be growing up into. No, I thank my father every day, although my father did get me into another team. Uh, we'll, 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 well, yeah, we'll talk about them a little bit later. But I thank my father for not doing that twice to me. My father was a Giants fan. I'm a Giants fan. I got to give... I got to give the Donald props for that. True. But you know who doesn't deserve props? Nathaniel Hackett. Well, no. We're not talking about the Patriots anymore. We have to get into this Monday Night Football game because I am still mind-bottled, and it's been two days since this game yeah, happened. This is just 
Terrible. This game was... I don't even know how to say. It was just something else. I mean, we saw Geno Smith look like Geno Smith from when he was at West Virginia in the first half of this game. He was unbelievable. I have to say it. He was just unbelievable to start off this game. Um, Russell Wilson. The second half, you saw the Geno Smith post-pinstripe ball. Correct. Yeah, you saw, yeah, you saw, you saw the true <laughs> Geno Smith. Absolutely. Um, so they go into this game. You know, Obviously, it's the Russell Wilson's first game back in Seattle after getting traded in the offseason. And, you know, motions were running high. And let me just say this for also something. The Seahawks fans booing Russell Wilson is a joke. Absolutely disgraceful of what they've done. By far the franchise's best quarterback. And, yes, it's not even a question. He was the best quarterback in franchise history. You know, people might say, oh, the Legion of Boom is the biggest reason why we won that Super Bowl. You need a quarterback. Matt Hasselbeck? He's Matt Hasselbeck. Come on. Come Come on. He I won the enjoyed, Super Bowl. I enjoyed Matt, Matt Hasselbeck. Does Matt Hasselbeck Matt have Hasselbeck a Super Bowl? Got rid of that. Matt Hasselbeck, they could have won Super Bowl 40. Okay. Matt Hasselbeck threw that game away. Okay. But let me let me ask again. Does he have the Super Bowl? Nope. So then they by far Russell Wilson. Because he went to back-to-back Super Bowls. And they should have won the second Super Bowl. That's true. That's, true. That's fair. But, I mean, he's, he, he's it's like, anyone, anyone arguing Matt Hasselbeck's better franchise history-wise than Russell Wilson is just, that, that just, that's just a meme take. Here goes totally sheep. meme take. Here goes sheep again. That's a sheep. That, we're, go, we're going to, we're going to trademark that. That's a, that's, a that's a sheep take. That's a sheep take. Let's be honest. Argument. We have, trademarked. we have not, I haven't said anything that blasphemous on almost all pod. So, like, We'll we'll take that one. Yeah, you, know you, you started you started early last week. I'll give you props. You haven't said anything really bad up until then. That was a terrible take. But let's I, talk. Let's yeah. talk Russell Wilson. All right. In the first half, I was asking myself, huh? Instead of let Russ cook, is Russ cooked? That was the question I was asking That's myself. Horrible. Is this guy actually cooked? Never say and that again. I'm going to say it as much as I want because I in the first half he looked. He didn't look that great in the first half, but in the second half, he got absolutely robbed. Every single opportunity where Russell Wilson put that team to succeed, the Broncos just spit on him. They just, whether it was fumbling at the one-yard line, at the goal line twice, or, hey, we need five yards and we have Russell Wilson. Oh, no, let's kick a field goal instead. Russell Wilson was absolutely a tragedy. Is Ru- my question is going to be: Is Russell Wilson going to have you know dreams at night about the one yard line, or, or I shouldn't say a dream, maybe a, a nightmare? I feel as if some of the biggest mishaps in this guy's career have been at the one yard line. You had the obviously the Super Bowl with Marshawn Lynch, and in this game you had a fumble from Melvin Gordon at the one yard line. You had a fumble from Javante Williams near the the one yard line. They Broncos easily. Should have won this game. Not even a question. Should have blown out the Seahawks after the second half. And they gave this game away. And as Johnson alluded to, you know, a questionable call towards the end of the game where they had a fourth and five in Seattle territory. Could have went for it. But instead, they decided to run the clock down, call a timeout with about 20 seconds left in the game. And they bring out Brandon McManus for a 64-yard field goal, which at the time McManus had said that was going to be his maximum range for the game. They bring him out. He kicks it the first time, misses it, but Seattle calls a timeout to ice the kicker. So you would think there and then, huh, he just missed it. Let me bring the offense back on the field and go for it this time. Nope. Rookie head coach Nathaniel Hackett 
proven to be a rookie. He brings the kicker right back out, says, hey, listen, I know you have the distance for it. Just keep it accurate. At first, it looked like that kick was going right down the middle. It hooks wide left. And instead of Broncos country, let's ride, it's Broncos country, wide left. I I think the bigger issue here is uh, I blame the NFL yet again. The NFL consistently seems to get things wrong. And when the schedule was announced, everybody looked and, oh, there's a lot of these revenge games and this, that, and the third. Oh, this looks great. But I think they did Russell Wilson no favors. I think they got it wrong yet again. This was a game that needed to be shown later in the season. This should not have been a kickoff game. They did, as Goodell usually does, he he screwed over Russell Wilson big time. Now, correct me wrong. Do we have any, to any of the revenge game end for like, Good for the people getting revenge. Uh, like Baker, lost. Lost. So. Baker lost. Baker uh, lost. Joe Flacco lost. Joe Flacco lost. lost. Russ lost. I don't think I can't count the Von Miller revenge. I don't ever think it's a revenge game. He he he. That's a homecoming. That's just a home. That's yeah, that's just really that's just a homecoming. Game. Maybe I I, I, you know what? I was. I think the only one I saw was the Darius Smith against the Packers because he was quote he was quoting saying how the Packers mistreated him when he was injured. So if there was any revenge game, you know. For someone, it was probably that one. It was probably just him. But it seemed like all the revenge games that we were looking into, it seemed like all the teams that were, you know, looking to get the revenge win for the players, they just didn't win at the end of the day. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, and not to mention Nathaniel Hackett, then the next day go, goes on to say, hey, you know what? I think we made, I think I made the wrong choice. I think we should have went for a fourth to five. If you're a Broncos fan listening to that, you've got to be pissed about hearing something oh, like that. You should be pissed from... watching the game to begin with and seeing that. And then to hear your coach the next day say, hey, you know what? I think I was wrong about that decision. It probably should have just, you know, gone for it. I'm not going to lie. From a coach's perspective, it's you're, you're really not in four down territory, but you're in four down, uh, you're in four down mode at that point. You can't take your the ball out of the quarterback's hands. Absolutely not. I mean, I know it's a movie, but in the replacements, that's the big thing Love that, that yeah. uh, they say to, to Keanu Reeves. The winners want the ball in their hand in the important moments. Yeah. And and if I'm Russell Wilson, that's that's what I'm pissed about. You took the ball out of my hands, plus the field position thing. And you You're paid him $240 million just, to do it, absolutely. Like to, to be your quarterback. Absolutely. Well, We'll have to see if week two lives up to what week one gave us. I mean, we have some really good games upcoming this weekend. A really good Thursday night game between the Chargers and the Chiefs. Chargers will be a little bit shorthanded, obviously, with no Keenan Allen coming into this game. Chiefs looked really dominant in their opener against the Arizona Cardinals. Chargers banging, you know, barely hanging on to beat the Las Vegas Raiders. But that should be a really good game to see this upcoming Thursday. Some of the other, you know, keynote games coming up for this Sunday, obviously, we t- touched upon it. The Giants are playing the Carolina Panthers this coming Sunday. Can they get a second straight win over the Panthers after last season's victory? We'll have to see. Uh, Andrew Johnson's New England Patriots have an interesting matchup with the Steelers this upcoming Sunday, which I think is going to be a really low-scoring affair between those two teams. Mac Jones, you know, it seems like he's going to play this game, so we'll have to see how the Patriots respond after a not-so-looking-great-looking start after they lost to Miami. We'll have to see how that goes. Some other keynote games, Tampa Bay is in New Orleans. We have, we'll see if Tom Brady can finally get a big win against the New Orleans Saints, where you know he only has that one playoff win 
But Tom Brady is just so far is since going to Tampa has not really had any luck against the New Orleans Saints. So that should be an interesting one to watch. Um, a game I think we should all mark down on our calendars. Miami and Baltimore this Sunday. I think it's going to be the game of the week. I think this is a really looking, you know, different looking Miami Dolphins team. And I, the Ravens were my pick to win the AFC North. I think this is going to be a great game going down to it. We'll have to see who comes out and you know on top after this one, but you're definitely looking at two potential playoff teams this upcoming season. But I think that will be a game to definitely watch into. Obviously, we'll see how the Dallas Cowboys do without Dak Prescott as they take on Cincinnati Bengals are coming off a loss to the Steelers. Sunday night game, we have the Chicago Bears going into Lambeau. We'll see if the Bears respond to their stunning win over the Niners. And how will the Packers respond after a embarrassing showing against the Minnesota Vikings? We'll have to... Well, if you're a Packer fan, if you start 0-2, it's going to be bringing up a lot of questions, that's for sure. They can't lose to the Bears. Cannot, they absolutely cannot lose Absolutely to the cannot lose to the Bears. They lose to the Bears. If they lose to the Bears, Aaron Rodgers might retire. Yeah, he might, he might just straight up retire. I'm not going to lie. I would have retired this year. After losing Devontae Adams, I'd be out. Yeah, I probably He was okay be. with the decision. Uh, I, I'd have been out. And then know, maybe, maybe that yeah. ayahuasca that he's doing or whatever mess with his mind. <laughs> yeah, those, uh, yeah, I yeah, mean, you're not wrong. It definitely might have uh, definitely might have functioned in with his uh, his decision making, but I guess we'll have to save throughout the rest of the season. And then finally, on Monday, we have a double header on Monday Night Football. A good matchup between the Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills. I think that'll be a really good one. We'll see if the Titans can respond from the loss of the Giants. How will Buffalo respond after their dominating win over the Rams? And then a, another really good one. And this is going to be one I'm going to keep my eye out on. It. Can Kirk Cousins win another game on Monday Night Football? We saw one a couple years ago. Can he win it? against the Philadelphia Eagles in Philly this upcoming Monday. That's going to be an interesting showing. The Vikings looking to, you know, build off of that big win over the Packers. Eagles coming off the win over the Lions. The Eagles right now look like they're going to be the team to beat in the NFC East. They're going to have to prove it with a tough matchup with Minnesota. But definitely another interesting week for college football upcoming this week. We'll skull have to see. Vikings. Well, hey, listen, as you're a Giants fan, you're definitely going to be saying skull the entire night. Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to do it for this part of our show as we recap the NFL and, you know, previewed a little bit of the games for this upcoming weekend. But once again, feel free to tune on in to the next part of our podcast. And this is going to be an interesting part of our podcast as we now look into, for the first time this year, the MLB playoff race. The season is winding down just a couple weeks left in the MLB playoffs. Can the Yankees and Mets hold on to their division leads? Who do we think are the favorites to win the World Series this season? And who we think is going to ultimately make the playoffs when it comes down to it? Tune on in to the next part of the All Gas No Breaks Sports Podcast.